for the delay on that. Um, Vaita per came, says Sharim, Lomig and Vaita. Says him, Mr. Sharim, Bibiur, Mafsida has a hero to the Harachoka, Mayhem. Hine. So now we're talking about, as we've discussed previously, the Ramchal, in his approach towards Midas, he understands that, as we said, you can't randomly acquire Midas. You need to build Midas. And in the construction of self, there's a plan and a strategy which is quite precise. And doing certain things will bring to certain gains in the spiritual realm and doing other things will bring to other gains in the spiritual realm and each one has to is within a realm of cause and effect so the Ramchal in his examination of growth first of all understands that certain midas have to come at certain times and there's a sequence one has to become for the other one otherwise it doesn't work and within the midda itself there's factors which contribute towards the middas development and the factors which detract from it and the factors which detract from one middle will not detract from another and that's why the Mr. Shoyim over here starts to explore the factors which detract from the middle known as Zahirus. Until now we've been learning about Zahirus. That's where the Ramchal discusses Tshuva that's where Midas Adin is relevant. Zahirus means that a person understands how far the Din goes and therefore he is cognizant of it. And thus Din has to be discussed and the person has to realize that every action he does has consequences. And then that led to a discussion of, if so, what is Midas Arachamim, which led to the three distinctions where Midas Arachamim tempers the Midas Adin in the amount of time that it's taken to feel the consequences of the veil, there's a time lapse so the person can do tshuva in the interim. The oinish is not severe as it should be and the potential for tshuva exists. In other words, the midas arachamim focuses the midas adin on the benefit of the person. That the midas adin should work in favor of the mensch because the whole reason why there's midas adin bechlal is so that the abishter can build a mensch from us, create a proper Godel out of our being. <coughs> yeah. Apologize for my voice. Uh, strange to speak. Usually it's a strain f- for you to hear me speak. Now it's a strain also for me to speak. What? Um, says the Ramchal that there are certain factors which contribute to the loss of Zahiris. So we said what Zahiris was as a middah is a person is misboinen umefakeach al drachov v'inyonov a person weighs up, he does a shikula das, he doesn't go through life kasus keferid, like a wild animal rather he addresses life, he sees life, he perceives life through the einea seichel and therefore when he gets to a situation he weighs up what to do and what will be the correct mode of behavior which will align him to the Ratzon Hashem in the situation in other words, Zahirus is Miloshan Zoyhar. It shines light onto the world as to where the Zahirus is the way of discovering 
the light in the person's day-to-day actions. Someone asked Akasha. We say every morning in Birchus, in the Shmon Esrei, the second bracha is Mechaya Mesim. It's written in the present tense. Mechaya Mesim. The one that revives the dead. But right now there's no Tchias Mesim. So, I think we have a mistaken perception of what Tchias Mesim is. First of all, you could answer the question in one of two ways. You could say when the bracha is Mechaya Mesim, it's referring to the reversal of the teva. Teva means mace, and mechayim mace means kenegda teva. Roifei choilim. Person sick, sick. Kosh Bochu does it the opposite. He is roifei choilim. He reverses the natural progression. Soimech noiflim. Person's falling. He should remain fallen. Kosh Bochu supports him. Zoikev kafufim. In other words, the whole direction of Torah is in the opposite direction to nature, and that's called tchiasamesim. The way you express it in its generic term is techias amazing. He takes things which have an end and he makes them eternal. As a Torah is kolator kulis techias amazing. Kolator kulis techias amazing. If that's true, you don't have to say that it's referring to anything else but techias amazing itself. What does techias amazing mean? It doesn't mean that a person is going to die and maybe he's going to say, come on, and wake him up. It means that Kodesh Bochu is going to give him his life back because Be'etzem his life never died. Tchias Amesim means that a person who is Zoichet Tchias Amesim is a person that in every moment and minute of his life he translated the temporary into the eternal. When a person says a bracha, so there's no chiyuv from a purely materialistic natural perspective to make a bracha on the eating of a food. You eat the food when you're hungry. If you could describe it in terms of an obligation, the obligation to eat is based on hunger. And there's no accompanying bracha according to the natural world. The natural world has an end. But in the supernatural world, the eating of the food is an opportunity to connect to a deeper reality which is not bound by the restriction of time. So therefore when you eat the apple, as an avoider in order to get a kesher to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that avoider begins with the bracha so then that achilas apple be'etzem is a moment in time which is suspended it doesn't it doesn't expire with the conclusion of the eating because you transcended the physical act to elevate it to it was just a means whereby you came to a deeper connection to the creator of our world and that that connection doesn't dissipate in time so it's amazing is taking a person's life and giving it back to him later on. It's not, it's not as if Akash Bokhu just randomly recomposes a person after he's already decomposed. Yes. Tom. Are you saying that he that he lives in those moments, or whatever light he was able to create is like a light that he now lives with again? That th- what he did in his lifetime becomes his eternity. So and, and how, does that trans- how does that translate into a picture? Does now, do all those moments like come to a conglomeration of what he lives in? Does he relive in those experiences? Does he live in the ripple effect of all of those mitzvahs? How does that look? 
um, how does that look? How does it appear? In other words, how does how does that what he did in the past affect the actual construction of his body? It means that the parts of himself that he used to achieve those means, to achieve those ends, those parts, his mouth, to say the broch, his ears, to Yadivaytoya, so he took something which was beyond the physical hearing apparatus, and that essence that he used to Yadivaytoya is from that's the raw material from which his ear is constructed. So Chofetz Chaim said, Chofetz Chaim says, the reason why Loshon Hora, the reason why Loshon Hora is so bad is because if a person, Rachman Litzlan, is a cripple and he has no hands and he has no legs, it's Taka Geferlach. But if he can speak and hear, he can at least communicate, he can have relationships. If a person has no mouth and no ears, so he can't really do anything. So Chavot Chaim says, just like mitzvahs build the limbs in Tchias Amesim, various destroy them. So a person listens, listens to Lashon Hara, Kivyochul, he's deaf in Olam Haba forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. A person who speaks Lashon Hara is dumb for Olam Haba forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So he says, if you want to focus on, on building that that if you want to if you want to if you want to be in Jewish bodybuilding, so Jewish bodybuilding uh, it's a wise idea to Mia Isha Chovet Chaim. Oyev Yomim Liras Toiv Mitzor L'Shoyin Chameiro Os Vosei Chomida Beir Mimro. It's like whatever shlemus you acquire in this world <coughs> is your shlemus in the next. Right. Right. The shlemus. A lot of tshuva to do. A lot of tshuva to do. Or building to do. Not building to do. So in the process that the whole purpose of going through all the steps is to acquire um chasmism. Is that what you're <coughs> talking about? That everything we do can be to chasmism. That's interesting. When the Ramchal says Triasamasim he means that you will have the capacity to revive the dead, not that you'll live forever. But I hear what you're saying. You're but saying not that literally re- revive a corpse, but in the sense of that everything we do can make a, a like Otherwise, dead action actions. you'll be living on a level where your actions will be consistently eternal. There'll be no, there'll be no, there'll be no expiry date to what you do. Very good, nice. Well, I once heard um, Rabbi Abigail was talking about Kehanimism. He said that it means like if you're not fulfilling the exact like purpose that Hashem put you in the world for, then you're like a, like a mate, like a mate. But then Hashem revives you, meaning like He puts you on the right path. You're saying it's the Tchias is the heavenly assistance you get to be directed to the right path if you stray. Or if you're not fulfilling your purpose. Allows you to see where you need to place your emphasis in life. And when does he do that? Does it to everyone? To some people? What are the criteria? That's what we have to know. Uh, obviously, it's not just randomly dished out. You have to do something to deserve it. Okay? Stalker. Bye bye. Stalker.
to ten times the Chachamim. We take it in turns to say ten separate to Elim. Start. Okay. Ze Zor. Is this year we're gonna stop giving to Daka? Did I ever say stop giving to Daka? I said you should give it to Daka. She just not wanted to do it for the Yeshua. I told you what my teacher said, right? Told you. I want to give it to Daka. I don't want the Yeshua. Just want to give it to Daka. I just want to help out the poor person. <laughs> so I want to do it. I don't want like you know. I don't want like this, this, and this, and I'll do it there for the poor person. It's like he's the machine, and I put the money in, so I can spit out what I need. He's like you know, he's the one on band that you put it in his mouth. And you're so why do you think they could go and sign up? Right, That's the only way people will give money. I don't, I don't know. When I become a girl, I'll tell you. I'll be waiting. Hine, I'm So the Ramchal teaches us that you always have to avoid the ultimate enemy, the Talmudic student, the ultimate enemy in life, which is vagueness. When a person's vague in his understanding, so the boundaries of the spiritual world become blurred, and therefore he has no proper comprehension of reality. And therefore the Ramchal in his explanations is always precise. There are three things which destroy the heroes. Maybe four, maybe five, maybe twenty-two. Says Ramchal, in the spiritual world there's cause and effect. And the cause of that will affect a loss of the heroes is taka only threefold and these three reasons are the entirety of what destroys the earth and what are they? the first one is taking care of and being distracted by the world at large the second one is frivolity um, wanton laughter and cynicism and the third one is bad company. It's the name of a pop group. It's interesting how the counterculture works. No? You, want to, you want to associate with someone who's called bad company. When you, we go through adolescence, it's something which happens often. When I went through my rebellious <coughs> Yes. By 13 to 37. So, when I was in high school, I did a few things which, looking back, of course, were childish, but at the time they were exceptionally cool, rebellious. The one thing is, there was a. People, when you went into first grade, so there were these, like, at the time when I was a first grader, there were these small little brown cases which had, like, these. Uh, um, uh, what do you call when you like buckle in the, the, the strap clasps like these clasps they were like classic they were like very hard and like these little things which are like about this big I ideally designed for like a first grade to like put his lunch lunch packet in so when I turned like 16 I bought one of them and then I stuck a sticker on it which said I'm the person your mother warned you about I am he and I proudly paraded this thing in some attempt to assert my anti-establishment um, feelings. The, the, the point is that there's a period in a person's life where 
you seek to establish identity based on the values that are espoused to you, but in a opposite way. So bad companies like there's something cool about hanging out with the wrong crowd. So the Ramchal says uh, it's not so cool, as we've seen this case. Okay. Let's go through one by one. Is he getting uh, is he getting all these divisions from Svara? Or he has like Let's see. I should just cut down. In regard to the care and the distraction of this world, we already discussed them above. And we said the following thing. When a person is distracted, preoccupied with his world, behold, his thoughts asurais, are bound with the chains hamasa of the burden that's a fascinating metaphor that a person is distracted by his world so his thoughts literally become imprisoned by the preoccupation and as a result the notion of being trapped is that your movement is completely restricted. You can't go where you want to go. You can't do anything but within a, within a very limited parameter. So his description of the tipple of Teodolamis means a person's mind becomes trapped in a particular area of thought and it can't think out of that small realm. It's almost as if anything beyond the thought processes which preoccupy him becomes completely inaccessible to his mind to engage in. So he can't think about the purpose of life. He can't think about his um, relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu or with his brother or with his great aunt. He can't think out of anything but what the overpowering force current of his mind is. And you see that this, we all know this experience when you're busy and focused you're in the middle of a project you've got something that you have to have a deadline to deliver so then it completely captures you the usage of the verb is specific you become a captive by that process and if a person becomes deeply involved in the world he remains a perpetual captive of that world that, and it's very insidious because his relationship to examining ideas outside of the thrust of his life becomes in his mind's eye a wasteful experience. Person's in the middle of pulling off a million dollar deal and you say to him, excuse me Mr. Smith, on his way to like, on his way to a board meeting where he's, me he's just, he's, he's, he's meeting with a series of major shareholders and he's walking towards the boardroom and you stop and you say, Mr. Smith, he says, yes, uh, sorry, I'm late. He says, do you know why you're living? What the purpose of life is? When was the last time you thought about how you can deepen your relationship with your three-year-old girl? When was the last time you thought about, are you really doing what's right in life? So the chances are, he's not going to stop and say, hmm, you know, these are great questions. I'm going to really give them some serious thought. The chances are you'll say, what are you talking about? Why are you wasting my time? Can't you see? Can't you see? I've got something important to do. 
Now the scary thing is that Bishleim is the CEO and he's putting over a multi-million dollar deal. But what about people who are a little bit lower on the on the socio-economic ladder? And all this guy has really is he's going to his job and his job is crunching out numbers for 12 hours a day. That's what he gets paid for. But there's a lot of numbers to crunch. He's just there. And you say to him, so tell me, like, what about life and purpose and, and depth? He says, what are you talking about? You're not speaking my language. So what happens is that the, the destructive nature of this Tipova Tedo Lamis is not that you have an experience of feeling trapped. What happens is you feel that you are free because what you do is you define the boundaries and borders of your world by the engagement that you're engaged in. It's not that you feel they're trapped. You just feel that your world is as big as this and in that you feel it's a big world and something out of that feels irrelevant. You beg to differ. I think you are trapped. I think you trap yourself. I'm not arguing if you're trapped or not. I'm saying that I think generally the way a person's experience that being trapped you don't experience it as I'm caught in a tiny world. You experience things outside of that world as being things which are not relevant to the real lion's share of life. You, the, 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 the deception involved is you don't feel that I'm completely lost the plot and I'm trapped in this tiny little world. Your feeling is that I'm in the big wide world doing big relevant things and these discussions of the people who've got waste time on their hands and they're not engaged in the world. That's for the philosophers and the beach bums of the world. But I'm doing stuff. So therefore your perception, the way you read your life is not as being trapped, but as being you're involved in the essence of what life is about. And therefore there becomes a simultaneous devaluation of anything which tries to break out of that narrow thinking process. It just seems irrelevant. Someone would understand. It's, it's just, just not no gay up. Suggesting what? Yeah, if what do you do? Okay. Just reading them. I've got one line in. I mean, one second. Let me look in my the book of all answers to give all answers for complex questions of growth and here we and uh, um, how to make a busy career into a deeply spiritually fulfilling experience and not deviate one iota from the path of spiritual perfection. There we go. What does it say? Say capital Kufchof Aleph three times on a Tuesday. Give 26 shekels to the Ilunishmas of your favorite tzaddik. <laughs> Five o'clock on a Friday afternoon if Shabbos hasn't come in. If Shabbos has come in, postpone it till nine Shabbos. And make sure to say Bikasamazoin from a bench written with Ksava Shuris. That's amazing. There you go. It's amazing. There you go. Hey, it's amazing. Do you want the book?
you want the book, you have to give to Docker too. That's precisely the point that um, Mr. Shram is dealing with. He's not going to, hopefully, he's not just going to tell us the problem, he's going to suggest a solution. Okay, I'm saying it's, it's, it's wise to ask the question once you've read three lines. <coughs> we have already discussed them above. When a person is preoccupied with the things in his world, his thoughts are captured, bound with the chains and massa of the burden. So it describes it as a massa. It's really a burden, it's a weight. To wait upon him. The E F Shar. The E F Shar and it's impossible. The E F Shar and it's impossible. The E F Shar Lohem to those people that are bound up by these chains, Losay Slave Alamase. It's impossible. In other words, once you're in the situation, he has your answer, Freeman. Once you're in the situation, it's impossible. In other words, once you're tarred, there's nothing you can do about it. You cannot be tarred. But if you are tarred, so then you're trapped. Could it be that two people are doing the same amount of worldly stuff and one is, feels tarred and one doesn't because he has more of a mastery over it? Well, is not a din in, in your day. Tarred is a din in your mind. It's in your yeah. internal state. It's not saying here that a person can't work a productive day in the office if you could but it says you can't be told by it so the question is well so now we can rephrase Freeman's Kasha China how do you in other words you, you can't be told in the world and be successful correct that's what he said the Evsha how can you be in the world and not be told is the question we need to ask how do you remain in a full-time job how do you remain in a full-time job be a faithful worker, work productively, and not be towed in the job. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? Good, that's a, that, that, no, that's, that's a much more accurate question to understand. We gain something with that. You know, if you are towed, there's no, there's no, there's no shine. You're finished. So you have to remain, you have to remain not towed. So how do you remain <coughs> not towed? Says the Chal. V'achachomim aleim ashalim. So the Chachamim, they saw that this was happening to people and they responded by saying, Amru have a the Asik, the Asuk, So they responded by saying that if you are tired in your job, it means it's taking up too much space in your life. You should decline it, you have to limit it. Have a mamait basic vasuk betoya. Sorry, I'll change the text. A participant of the share suggested that's a fantasy world, so let's just change the text over here. V'chachamim aleim yasholim. When they saw this, they said, "Have a mamait basic vasuk betoya." B'medvarim amurim in the days when people took Torah seriously. But in our day and age, when Torah is a nice thing you do on the side, and job is the essence of our lives, so then we just grow up and just do some type of lip service to Judaism. That's okay. 
And what about self-perfection, eternity? Oh, don't waste my time. Eternity is maternity. How much are you making, brother? So they said, have a mind for Asik Vasek Betoya. So now we have to understand. When the Chazal said, have a mind for Asik Vasek Betoya, what were they doing? Let's think what the Ramchal is trying to do. He's trying to answer, address the problem of you're preoccupied with your job. So what should you do? So you should work less. But that doesn't really solve the problem. If we're referring to over here, have a mamayit basic is in regard to the amount of time spent. So that doesn't necessarily limit the amount of time you spend thinking about it. A person can be working three hours a day. And he can be completely distracted for the rest of the day because he's completely consumed by those three hours. It's not, it's not a din in quantity of time. So when the Chazal said, have a mamayit ba'asek ba'asek what did they mean? Were they telling you a shear in zman? Or were they telling you a shear in mind, in das? In other words, now, it doesn't matter how much time you spend learning or how much time you spend working, but your weight given to work has to be mute and the weight given to Torah has to be rave. I'm not sure. Let's wait and see how the Ramchal takes it. But the Pashtus of having a mind basic Vasak Torah means do a lot of learning and a little work. And then you can argue that's great when you're living in an agricultural society Provided you spend a couple of hours in the field, you'll have enough money to sustain yourself. Subsistence farming. But what happens if you're in the concrete jungle and no one's going to hire a person to work less than eight till six pastors, nine till seven. If you're in a government job, then you'll get maybe get away with nine till six or Yesh oimim, I feel nine to five, depending on how slack the government office is. But Lemaisa, and even that, even that, is commuting time. So how much time are you going to be left with Limadat Torah per day, let's say? Oh, you'll scrunch together maybe an hour, after, if you're moist and nefesh, two hours, maybe. So, so therefore the practical reality of our world is that you can't be mamayat, basic basic Torah. You can be mamayat Torah and asik job. That's practical. So what does he mean? Let's see. Kihinei. Ha'ezek mukrach hula adam. L'toyach panos also. Don't think that I hold you should learn in kailu. Says Ramchal. You have to go and get a job. Ha'ezek mukrach. It's imperative. How are you going to support yourself? Ha'ezek mukrach hula adam. L'toyach panos also. For the need of your panosa. There's no reason why you can't get a job. On the contrary, you have to get a job and you have to get a job. Ach, however, Ribuya Isaac, Ainu Mukrach She Kolkach Godel, Ad Shiloyan Yechle Mokim and Avidosle. But the increase of spending time in their job, that's not imperative, that it should be so great until you're left no place for Avoida. Um, this is very interesting and this is very interesting in the modern context there has over the course of the last I don't know century or so been a complete shift in terms of what the goal of working is 
previously the goal of working was aptly de- described as panosa. Panosa means sustenance, meaning a person needs to eat. He needs to have a roof over his head. He needs to have enough to live so he can go about life. In other words, it was well understood that a person needs to sustain himself so he can do what he needs to do. Suddenly, over the last decades, there's been a shift. And a person no longer uses his living to sustain what he needs to do in life, but his living is what he needs to do in life. There's been a shift that panos is not panosa. Panos is now called career. Career means my goal and mission. The whole role that work plays has shifted from a mere means of generating enough income so I can sustain myself and then get along with my job, which is something else, to becoming the essence of what I'm put into this world to do. And it's happened on a variety of different levels. It's happened in terms of the increase of the work day, which has become like excessively long. But there's also subtle things which, which on the surface appear to be major moves forward, but one can argue in this context that they're actually extremely destructive ways of sucking a person into a world which is not his. And that is, for example, the notion of the corporate culture whereby mission statements are part and parcel of a person's job. Mission statement means that what I'm doing here is beyond generating income. I'm invested in this process wholeheartedly. I believe what I'm doing is right. So then you've shifted Parnosa to becoming purpose and goal. I'm not just working so I can go and do life. I'm doing life so I can work. So it's a fascinating shift. So we have to think about ourselves as a Pinato, where, where, where do we put ourselves? What is our job? And what is the role of work in our lives? Yes, Josh. It sounds like a very general statement that belittles every career to one like, like sense of horribleness. You know, like every career doesn't necessarily mean it's, you know, there some people they feel they're talkless in their career at, and it's positive, like a doctor or a teacher or a, a caretaker. Absolutely. Or, so what is, uh, is there anything, like so that's this mysterious on Okay, so now let's work it out. You're putting that in the wrong yeah. Right, right. Let's, let's, let's flesh it out. In other words, as follows. Let's explore the notion. What we really have to do is, what the sugya over here for us is the role that a career should play in our lives. Should we get a job that will give us precisely the amount of money that we need in order to go ahead and do what we need to do in life, which is study of Torah, acts of chesed, tefillah, and provided we can facilitate that, that we've got enough time to daven and learn and to do what we need to do, so then the job is reached. And what do we do is completely irrelevant. It can be chopping wood. One approach. Second approach is that through your job, you can realize your tachlis in this world. That if you're going to become a doctor, you can change the world, you can save lives. If you're going to become a psychologist, you can assist people. If you're going to become a... a a gardener you can enhance people's aesthetic appreciation given if you're going to become a lawyer no, um, you're going to become an account for the account you're going to become a 
even in even in careers that that are seemingly mundane, I think that's maybe what the Ramchal might be hinting at. That even those jobs, you can there's a godless to what you what they are. You're okay, you're a lawyer. Lawyer fights for sometimes a little guy or a, an accountant. They make sure that everything is a yashus. The yashus. Okay. Good, good. So let's. For this is just the beginning of the discussion. Do not, do not resign. <laughs> no resign yet. Or give up your